Straight Talk Uncut. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Tell us again back with another edition of Straight Talk, and this is being recorded on February 4th, 2016. How you guys doing? How's everybody doing? Well, the snow is finally melting here in uh, here in Colorado. Uh, I'm in I'm I'm east of Colorado Springs, in a little town called Falcon. And um, today was the kids' first day back to school. Not because of any any kind of break or anything, but you know, snow days. School closed for for uh, three days. Today they had a late start, so. You know, being that I work from home, and 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 any anytime school is the schools are closed, even the base. Uh, my my wife had, had had two snow days, so productivity on my end had faltered a little bit, and and especially due to the fact we had a power outage on. Uh, I think it was Monday we had a, a a power outage. It was on for a few hours. It wasn't anything major, but um, yeah, so. I'm recording this on uh, Thursday. I usually I usually do recording. I try to get the recordings early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But well, I guess I'll do uh, you know at the end of the week this for this this week. So, uh, anyways, back to it. Back back to sort of trying to get everything going. Even though it's still it is still uh, pretty. The snow is you know how when when everything starts to melt and then you got these sheets of ice on the snow. So that's what I had to deal with taking the kids to school this morning. And also due to the fact that we, we have a serious rabbit problem out here. And um and every time it we have a big snow, you see a bunch of dead rabbits in the street. And and um due to that fact you see the ravens and the crows eating them. So if you hear if you hear like <laughs> crowing in the background, it's all the ravens and, and the crows and I, I had to look up the difference between the ravens, ravens and crows. I think my my daughter told me one time, but um, the blackbirds—they're eating all the rabbits in, in the streets, eating rabbits, and they're out there having a little dispute over rabbit meat. Anyway, let me go ahead and get into it. So, uh, one—I think it was last week—I I had an episode where I was mentioning, um. You know, if you had a decision of how you want to be remembered or I think I put it, I think the way I put it is if you, what did you, if you had a choice between, you know, what words would you put on your tombstone? Would you put, um, if you had a choice between I conquered and I did, you would go with I conquered. And if you had a choice between I did and I tried, you would want to put I did. And then if it was a choice between I tried and what if. You know, if, if if like those are you, your final thoughts as you're dying, if if those you know those thoughts that go in your head, like what would be the last like out of all that, what would be the last thing? The last thing would be you saying what if you know that's the last thing you 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 want to be saying. Um, you know, in relation to the things you do throughout your life, and I found a quote that like hit it home, uh, hit that point home. And I'm, I'm going to read it here. And it's by uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And it goes, Far better is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those pure souls who neither enjoyed much 
nor suffer much because they live in great twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. And I think that when I read that, I think that hit home sort of the point that I was making because, you know, of, uh, he's, you know, he says it a, a lot more eloquent than I can say it. Um, you know, about when you live in your life, it, it's easy to, to take on a job or take on a project or something like that to pay the bills. And, and, and we, that's, that's just a part of life. You have to do that. You have to do things to pay the bills. But with that, don't get pacified by checks and benefits and, and all these things that in all actuality, it's, it's really not all that, that hard to find. It's not hard to find a job to that, that, you know, has benefits or that pays a check, uh, that you can pay a bill. Um, but you know, the the hard part with that is just finding the, the thing you, you like to do. And anytime you look at, you are searching for a job, rarely, rarely are you going to find something that you really want to do. And I'm I'm speaking from my experience. I've, I've had so many jobs, you know, I actually started a list of all the jobs I had and some of them I actually enjoyed. I actually enjoyed being a cook at a restaurant. I actually enjoyed that, you know, but uh, again, it it had benefits and it, it, it paid a check, but, um, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do in life. You know, I was young and, and even as I am, I'm older, I've worked warehouse, warehouse jobs. I've worked, you know, labor jobs. And, and, and again, it, it had benefits and it, you know, uh, I, I was able to, you know, with other jobs, other second jobs, you know, pay some bills and things like that. So it, that, that isn't really not that hard. You know, the hard part is, yeah, you know, finding something that, it's going to pay an income that you're comfortable or, um, you know, something that's going to be able to pay you to where you, you not live in pay to paycheck to paycheck. That's sort of the hard part. And then also to, to find something that's going to, where, where you can make a living doing and you really truly enjoy. That's the hard part. You know, um, with, with all that being said, even, even still in the end, you know, do, do you want to, do you want to like go to your grave only have done that only have worked a job just to pay bills only have taken on the job just for the benefits. Now, and I said it before, because recently I've started to discover a lot of famous photographers, like legendary, like veteran photographers and veteran artists, veteran creatives that had a prosperous career in, in, in particularly fine arts, but in, in fine arts, meaning like non-commercial work, like they, they didn't get hired to do, um, an editorial piece or, you know what I mean? Like commercial photography. It, it was purely out of, um, the art, you know, taking a creative and artistic approach to photography. Um, I, I've discovered a lot of photographers who, you know, now that I've learned that backstory, they had second job. They had other like full time other jobs. Like, and, and you know, and I and I thought that was impossible because I've tried to do that, and the whole time I am working that job, I'm just thinking what I could be doing. You know what what I could be 
doing creatively. And it's, it starts to affect my ability to do the job. Whether it was a good job or not, it, it, it starts to spill over into uh, my product, you know, my performance at work. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm never the person to be a uh, uh, mediocre at a job. You know what I mean? So, um, so when I, you know, start to see my, my attention is not on that job. I'm not focused on that job. Then I, you know, I feel I don't have a reason to be there. I've, I've yet to find a job to where I, I like it so much <laughs> that I can be content with doing my creative stuff on the side. And maybe that's my problem. Maybe I, I need to find, you know, um, because it is easier. Let's face it. It's easier to have a job. It's easier like financially to not have, not to have to stress about one, you create, you know, creating something, profound or something that's going to leave a mark and then two find a way to 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 monetize that and to profit and to make make a living of you know financial living from your creativity that's hard that, that's the hard part so it's much easier if you can find a job that or some sort of work outside of your creativity that this is its sole purpose is to pay the bills and to into in um, fund your create your creative your creativity or your creative in, endeavors, but you also enjoy doing it to the point to where you can con- you can separate the two. You can concentrate on that job, and you know when you're done with the job, you can start doing your creative things. And um. And the the last the last job I had, I thought that was going to be the the job to do that, but it turned out it it wasn't that. It was it, it just wasn't. Um, so you know, so if you if you can do that, then you can say uh, I conquered. You can you can say you conquered creating, all, you know, letting your creativity just flourish. You know, because that's that's no nobody nobody comes to being a painter, being a photographer, nobody comes to being a whatever with the notion of I'm going to, I'm going to be rich from this. No, I I don't think anybody has that notion. I I, I don't, I think it's kind of, you know, given a given to say, or I I think it's, you know, yeah, I, I think that's, that's an easy generalization to make. So, um, so yeah, I, I like that quote. When that quote, when I read that quote, it just brought all of that I just spilled out here. It just brought all of it out. So the next article I want to talk about was uh, <laughs> five everyday activities that hurt your memory. Like my wife, she swears that I'm I um, that I I have some sort of memory issue, and and I, maybe I do, but I think I think I think it's more. That stuff that I don't find important, I just don't, I just don't pay attention to. And actually, it's, it's stuff. <laughs> some of it is stuff that I should find important. But again, that goes back to when, when you're creative. Is you most of the time, whether you show it outwardly or not, you you are in your head. You got all of these things going on, and I think a lot of times, even though it seems like we're having a conversation. 
<laughs> my mind is somewhere else. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhere else. Um, but I found this article, Five Everyday Activities That Hurt Your Memory. And I was like, hey, maybe, maybe it's something to this. So the first one is late night snacking. Um, and, and I'm just going to paraphrase. <clears throat> Pretty much it's saying that if you're taking regular meals at like odd times of the day, it's, it affects your memory. Like time that you should be sleeping, if you're up snacking, especially depending on what you're eating, it, it, uh, it affects your memory. And I'm just going to read here. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> read here. It says, um, eating at times normally result reserved for sleep causes a deficiency in the hippocampus. And that's the area of the brain that controls learning and memory. And that impacts your memory. According to a new stu- study published in the journal eLife. So first of all, I don't, I don't know what's, um, you know, that's, that's all like, um, relative to what's your sleeping habits. Like, I, I don't get like what, what's a normal time for sleep. You know, it, it, that's, that's different with different people. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning. So I've, I've worked out and then I've had breakfast. And then by the time I wake my kids up and everybody get ready for school and stuff, I'm on, I'm on lunch. You know what I mean? I get up at three, work out, I have breakfast, and then I get, I start waking people up in the house at five thirty or six thirty. So, and and you know by that time I'm I'm eating either a snack or I'm eating lunch. So what what you know what's late night snacking? And then somebody who um, somebody who works like a like for forever for like most of our marriage I worked. Um, my wife worked days and I worked uh, midnight shift. Matter of fact, last year was like the first year that I didn't work the midnight shift at a, at a job, you know, midnight being from like, you know, anywhere from like 9 PM to like 6, 7 AM. So what's, what's normal, you know, and that's like these, a lot of these studies are based off like these uh, boilerplate uh, life structures. So late night snacking. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that one. Number two is chronic low level stress, meaning, and then in parentheses it has here like a commute, you know? Um, now I I've read multiple, I don't know about the chronic low level stress, but just reading this article is it the way it described it's really talking about, um, like, um, I'm just going to read here low levels of chronic anxiety, such as how you might feel about a daily rush hour commute. So, or this could be a daily rush hour commute or a job you don't like, or, uh, you know, being in a marriage that's not working, um, things going on with your kids, you know, the, the way they, the way they describe it is it, that it affects your memory. And, I don't know if I, I, I don't, I don't know if I, uh, agree with that one. And then it says, find, finding ways to reduce your stress, such as through exercise, meditation, or breathing techniques can help you improve your memory. I work out pretty much every day. So I, I do physical like exercise every day. Um, 
But just just to sort of put in perspective from my point of view, again, going back to working mids and, and things like that, a lot of it was just routine, even like, you know, getting off of work. I remember even in the military when I would, you know, either carpool and when it would be my time to drive. I remember we like, you know, usually normally whoever whoever's the passenger, they will be asleep the whole and usually it was my roommates. They will be asleep the entire drive home because, you know, for a while we worked twelve hour shifts. So you know, you, you, you'll be like a zombie by the time you get home. But even me, even if when I was driving, I would wake up, <laughs> not wake up, but I would make it home. I would be in the, in the driveway and, and, and not even remember to drive home. And I, and I talked to other guys who, even my roommates, my ex roommates, they would say the same thing. Like, yeah, you just wake up in the driveway and you don't even remember the drive home or even same thing going to work. You know, you, we were on such a routine schedule that, that you don't even remember. You just remember waking up at your destination or becoming conscious at your destination, having no memory of the entire, <laughs> the entire drive and even doing, uh, you know, routine stuff that was stressful, but it was routine when I was in the military, I remember doing it. And then after I'm done, not even, not re- really remember doing it. Like not, you know, you know, like, but as far as what was it stressful? It was stressful in that you knew not to make a mistake, but, um, you know, I guess you have to define low level stress because I, I have a hard time. Um, I think stress is relative. Also, I have a hard time defining what stress like like a, a sustained stress. I mean, I get like if I'm working on my WordPress site and and something go, don't go right, you know, I I put up a new page and I try to view it and then I get the code error. That's stressful. That'll get me stressed. So I don't know. I don't know if I if I really understand that one. Number three. Now this is a weird one. This this is really weird. Number three is eating tofu. Now, how specific? That's that's really specific. Eating tofu. So I'm gonna read it here. Tofu is considered a health food, but scientists from Lowborough and Oxford University in UK found that consuming too much tofu may increase memory loss as well as the risk of dementia, especially among older adults. See, here here we go. You know, for I mean, this is my first time ever seeing where tofu could be bad for you. Um, here's, here's the rest of it. In a study conducted in Indonesia, people who ate two or more servings of tofu each day had a 20% decrease in memory function. However, researchers found that consuming tempeh, a fermented soy product made from whole soybean, is associated with better memory. Okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking... This is sponsored by the Tempeh Federation of uh, of the world. But let me let me read this quote. The beneficial effect of Tempeh might be related to its high levels of folate, which is known to reduce dementia. So just take a folate uh, supplement. Yeah, okay. I, I don't get that one. Number four. I mean, let me finish these. Number four. Being single, researchers have found 
that being married not only makes you healthier, <laughs> it improves your memory. Now, this is the one I was, I was, I'm calling bullshit on this one because I, for a fact, and I've told my wife this, I, for a fact, know that I have lost some memory cape, some memory functions <laughs> since I've been married. And one thing, one reason is because I, I like, first, first of all, I'm not, maybe it's not just married. Yeah, no, it's, it's before it's married because it's before I had kids. Um, one thing is because I get fucking reminded about everything that sometimes I don't even, I, I, it's like my, my wife is my memory crutch because I know I'm going to get reminded of some, some shit that that's going on, you know, a schedule or something. So I know a lot of times I get an email from the school. I, I, I don't even pay attention to it too much. Cause I know I'm going to get a second reminder. It's almost like in, in that movie, uh, office space, when all the bosses came and were reminding the guy, you know, about do you get the TPS reports? You know what I mean? So I've got to the point now to where a lot of stuff I don't really try to remember. Because I remember before, I mean, think about it. Before before the cell phones that we have now, you know, that can you can store everything. I I really didn't I I remembered everything, and and even I I just remembered one one of the tests when we were um, the job that I did in the military. You you I remember the first iteration of the enlisted that was going to do this job, uh, the first or second iteration. We had to do these in basic training. We had to do these memory tests, and you got you pretty much got assigned based on your memory like we had we had to go through these rigorous memory trainings and and i got you got a sign based on like your memory and even like going through the schooling and everything a lot of it was based on your memory and of course like before i got out they had changed that and everything was going to these you know manuals read a step do a step get a banana but when i was going through when i was getting trained it was like you had to have like this um, like a, a real hands-on knowledge without, I mean, because you have to think a lot quicker without having to um, go through a re- any kind of reference material. So for a long time, I man, my memory was like, if I saw like any, like if I saw a number, if I saw like a series of numbers or um, word, or any, any, anything that was like in the series or anything that was worth remembering, I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't need to write it down. I just, it's just, it was just in my memory. And I remember like when the, when I, when I was with my wife, uh, when I met my wife and you know, after about two years of dating and stuff, I remember distinctly like me not re- being able to remember simple things like phone numbers and things like that. And it was all the things that she would always like reminding me of, remind me of even now, you know, she, she reminded me of stuff. I mean, we've been married. 16 going on 16 years we've been together 18 <laughs> and she still remind me of stuff that you know that that we uh, like i've been doing this for 60 sometimes i think women don't think like and i and i i'm, I'm speaking for myself sometimes i think my wife don't think my life began until i met her <laughs> you know what i mean like 
So being single, I don't know about this. Being single hurts your memory. I don't. I, I disagree. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna disagree with that one. And I'm pretty sure they got some kind of fucking research, but I'm I'm going on personal experience. So I'm going to go on personal experience on this one. Here's a big quote from this this same number four. It says, people living without a partner at midlife had around twice the risk of developing cognitive impairment in later life. Oh, so maybe they're saying if you, if you are single and then you, if you're single, Oh, okay. So if you, they're talking about old people that's like middle-aged people that's single, like they've been single that long. And then I'm, I'm just reading it. In their study published in the Scandinavian Journal of Psychology, married people showed significantly better memory performance than those who were single, separated, divorced, or widowed. The rate declined in episodic memory, which is the ability to, to recall autobiographical information, such as time, places, and emotion, was also significantly larger for singles and widows than it was for their married counterparts. Yeah, I'm 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 calling um I don't know about that. I mean, if they're talking about like birth dates or anniversary dates or stuff like that, yeah, of course if you're married you're going to remember that. I remember that stuff, but if you if you maybe and it's different for men and women cuz I know my wife, she she fucking remember everything. Like I can't remember dates of vacations. I can I can barely remember like the order of vacations. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like something like did we go to the Bahamas last year or did we go to Florida last year? Or did we go to San Diego? I know we went somewhere, but which which order? You know? And sometimes I even have to go to my picture uh files uh because I, I titled the photos based on the year, you know, to remember. And some some and that's the stuff that gets us frustrated, like my wife will show me a picture or no, she'll, she'll, um, she'll talk about like school pictures, the kids school pictures. And without looking at a picture, she, you know, she said like, do you remember what she had on? Like what one of my daughter, you remember what she had on that picture? I'm like, no. Or she'd be selling like some, some, uh, clothes that don't fit my daughters anymore on eBay. And she'd be like, Oh, you remember this? You remember she wore this in 90 fucking in in uh, not ninety because none of my daughters were born in ninety or like in two thousand three, in April like for the Easter Bunny pictures and I'd be like yeah I remember I have fucking I don't remember at all not at all, so maybe you know maybe and maybe it is me, maybe I do have some memory issues I don't know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say for me I know marriage didn't make my uh, marriage didn't my memory was a lot better when I was single. All right, number five, and this is the last one, consuming sugar. All right, so according to some study uh, in UCLA, it found that a diet high in sugar can impair your memory. Okay, what you eat affects how you think, right? Study co-author Fernando Gomez Pinilla, a professor of neurosurgery at the David Geffen School of Medicine in UCLA. Eating a high fructose diet over the long term alters your brain's ability ability to learn and remember information. Okay, 
So if you have a sweet tooth, there's a compromise. Um, in, in pretty much it's saying swap sugary desserts for foods such as fresh berries or occasional bar of dark, ch dark chocolate that hasn't been processed with extra sweeteners. Okay, so that's that's the key. Not just sugar, but things that are like overly saturated in sugar, like things that are not, not only sweet, but it's been processed to add more sweetness. It ends with our findings suggest that consuming DHA regularly protects the brain against fructose harmful effects. And, um, oh, okay. So here's, here's, it's saying to counteract high sugar diets, adding omega three fatty acids to your meals can help minimize the damage of fructose. But you know what's funny though? My wife did ask me, "What am I? What What am I doing now?" As far as supplementation and diet, and we were actually talking about some other things. But this could be this could be the key. I don't. I generally don't eat a lot of sugars. I, I can I can tell you the sugars that I eat in my day. I can you know because I'm I'm real particular about what I eat. Um, I go through cereal binges. <laughs> I go through cereal binges like probably once, once or twice a month. So, you know, and even though cereal is now supposed to be better for you, uh, and there's not a cereal that I, I, I dislike. I, I eat with any kind of cereal. So my, my sugar come from that protein powders. My sugars come from, from that, uh, smoothies. I try to have a smoothie a day and I, and it's usually a, you know, a mix of, uh, berries and veggies you know like kale and spinach mixed with like strawberry or something like that but and then coffee and i and with my coffee if i have two cups a day most mostly sometimes i have three and when i say cups i mean mugs i'm not talking about i'm talking about mugs two mugs of coffee uh one i usually just drink black and then one i add like four packages of splendor in but um <clears throat> i used to supplement with um, omega threes. And I, and I haven't done that. And I haven't even been adding flax seeds to my, um, uh, my, my shakes, my, uh, smoothies like I, I should. So, huh, it could. So out of these five, the consuming sugar, especially if I'm not, you know, when I have my sugar binges, maybe that's, maybe that's affecting my memory. So, and maybe I'm more so, uh, I'm going to go back through these. Late night snacking, chronic low-level stress, eating tofu, being single, consuming sugar. So out of these five, maybe consuming sugar, and maybe I'm stressed and don't know it. And then maybe um, I'm going to start watching and see if I'm, quote, late night snacking. I thought that was an interesting artist. So uh, I'll, I'll, if, you, if you guys out there are married, for all the married, married guys, I'm particularly talking about guys. Let me know if your memory became better or worse since you've been married. <laughs> I, I like to see, uh, cause I've talked to other people, other guys who said the same thing that, that their memory is faltering, you know, uh, since they've been married. So that, that's that article. Let me see what, what else I have. I wanted to keep this down to 30 minutes, but man, I'm, I'm over 30 minutes. Um, Here's an article, uh, and is and is art related. It seems like, or come to find out that tattoo artists, and this is some, this is one of those things where 
is you, you don't even think about it, but then once you read it, he's like, well, yeah, I, I can sort of see that. So according to this article, I can't, where did I get this article from? I can't remember where I got this article from, but tattoo artists are again litigious, 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 litigious. Tattoo artists are like suing these game makers because of tattoos that are showing up in games. So specifically, this article is about NBA 2K. Uh, what, 2K16. So because of its incredible realistic player likeness, I guess this is, I, I haven't played, man, I haven't played a NBA 2K game in, matter of fact, I haven't played any 2K. I, I, I think I play like, I don't know, was there NBA 98 or something like that? I haven't played any basketball games in man, forever. So, but I, but I guess the uh, these NBA 2K games are like really, really realistic. So with that being said, the, the players that has tattoos, and specifically, there's a few that's named in this article, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Keon Martin, DeAndre Jordan, Eric Bledsoe, I, I know two of these people. I know LeBron James and I know Kobe Bryant. The other one, I, don't, I have no idea who they are. But I guess they have these really, really realistic, the, the tattoos show up really well in these games. And the artists, the, 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 you know, the, the tattoo artists that created these tattoos from a company or from a group of artists called Solid Oak, Solid Oak Sketches are suing. They're suing the game maker for you know copyright infringement saying hey if i get if our tattoo if my art is going to be displayed um throughout these games i you know you got to compensate me for it because even though i haven't played these games i i i remember playing you know sports games and you see like banners and stuff in the background or even uh what was the game uh death the death jam games and i remember reading articles about all the ad, ad spots in those games. And um, if they, you know, they have to license music and license certain things to be able to portray the, especially here, you, you want to, if they want to portray the game as realistically as possible, they can't cut out anything that's profound to the realness of the game. You know what I mean? Like they can't, <laughs> they can't not license whatever whatever sports brand the player wear in, in you know in you know trying to avert or trying to go around having to pay licensing fees because the, the, in, any any fan of the game is going to be like Kobe, I mean you know Kobe or LeBron don't wear fucking Skechers <laughs> you know what I mean you can't or or no name brand you can't do that so these these artists are saying well the same thing with their tattoos, either remove them and have their shit not looking real, or pay us. And and the uh, amount in this lawsuit is one point one million dollars. And I'm like, hey, you know, if they if they're gonna pay, like I said, every other license to be able to use whatever they want to use in in the game to make it realistic. If they, if they want to have these tattoos prominently shown they got to pay they got to pay the artist so i hope they win um i, I think it's really valid you know uh, and, and that goes to show man a lot of times like 
creative artists, visual artists get get sniped with shit like this because you, you I mean, uh, they, it's just like they think this stuff just shows up on these players. You know, it's like how do you think it, it got? How do you think it 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 was? You know, he didn't make it. LeBron didn't fucking tattoo his own arm. Kobe didn't tattoo himself. The same thing with anything, anything that um, with with visual arts, you know, whether it's a drawing, whether it's a photograph, whether it's a sketch, whether it's a design or whatever, you know, people make small of it, especially the users make small of it. Like I was listening to an interview about this. uh, He's he's a set photographer. I can't remember his name. Uh, Lynch. I think his last name is Lynch. I probably even mentioned it on here, but he's a set photographer for all these, all these, you know, a lot of these big movies and TV shows. And he was talking about how he was, you know, how like the, the, the production co- companies, matter of fact, it was, uh, Oh, I got to look it up. I got to look it up. There's my memory thing. Uh, set photographer. For one of the one of the movies was a uh, set photographer Avatar, the movie Avatar. Uh, just give me one second, people. One 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 second. I'm sorry, guys, uh, I j- but this is this is gonna kill me. What was his name? David Lynch? Is it David Lynch? Ah, uh, I remember the website. Motion, I think it's Motion Picture Steals. Yeah, Motion Picture Steals is the website. I'm gonna get it. Bear with me. Bear with me, Doug Huan. Where the hell did I get David Lynch from? <laughs> the guy's name is Doug. Last name is spelled H U Y U N. I mean H Y U N. Doug H Y U N. Huyan. Huyan. That's that's the that's his name. And uh, let me make sure I had the right. Yeah. So he was a photographer for. No, maybe I'm getting two photographers mixed up. Because I don't see Avatar on here. <clears throat> well, he was a photographer of the island, Spider-Man, Deadwood, Carnival, um, Six Feet Under, Curb Your Enthusiasm, James Dean and Invented Life, Nip Tuck, Path to War, and some some other movies. But he was but he was talking about um he was talking about when he was doing these movies, uh the interview was asking him you know, whether he fall in the, in the, like on the totem, as far as like importance. And he said he was right above. And I, and I, I don't know movie like, like movie job roles, but I think he either said like the grip or wherever the bottom was, he was right above the bottom. Now, let me, let me ask you now, you remember the iconic photograph and you go you can go to the site most motion picture steals with an s.com the iconic um picture where you know spider-man hanging upside down and um cursing dunce is that her name yeah 
pulled half his mask down to give him a kiss. You remember that picture that was on fucking everything? He took that, right? He took that. And and along with other, if you go to the, the website, you'll see some of these iconic uh, the pictures that, that, that advertise the movie, the posters, all this stuff. So with, without the work he did, and, and then think about when you go to the theater, like when you when you go to the theater, right? You walk into the lobby and all the fucking the build, all the new what's coming or even what's showing the the marquee pictures and all that. This guy, this guy's pictures, that those come from this guy's pictures. You know what I mean? This, this you know this guy and other photographers like him, the the set photographers. That's how those are getting created. And and I'm not sure. Maybe now, maybe some are getting created from from. Um, no, no, because you hardly ever see a movie scene in those marquee pictures. It, it's usually, uh, you know, like uh, uh, some awesome work that you rarely see. And I remember, um, man, I'm so horrible with names. I, I'm, I, I remember uh, the the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the guy who did. Uh, I gotta look that one up. Raiders of the Lost Ark artist. The, the guy who did the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, movies. The the posters for those. Richard Amsel? Is that his name? I don't think that's the guy I'm talking about. But anyway, I, I remember watching a, 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 a documentary on him. And he was talking about the same thing because he actually hand drew those. But now, you know, you can get it out so much quicker with photography. But just think about that. And then, other, you know, people on the set or people p- producing the movie looking at him like as just above the fucking the janitor. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a lot of times like visual artists get sniped, at, you know, as not really being significantly important. But a lot of what those visual artists do is what gets the word out about whatever it is that needs, needs marketing that needs to have eyes put on it. So I'm, you know, I'm all for it. anytime I see like, uh, and of course people who are not in say NBA fans who are not into, who has no clue of like any sort of visual uh, creativity. They probably think this lawsuit is bullshit, but no, I'm, any, any artist is going to look at it and be like, yeah, they should, they should get paid. They should get some compensation if their artwork is going to be displayed. So there was another artist, um, who, who, uh, went through the same thing, but he actually got permission from the artist. Uh, I mean, there was another player who went through this Colin, Kaepernick and but he got permission from the actual artist so that's you know that's another thing yeah if if Kobe would have said or LeBron would have said hey you know if I ever get a, a game deal or you know I, I know I'm gonna get a game deal I know I'm gonna be in the next whatever game is it alright if the, you know your tattoos be showed or should, should I have to break you off something or should the game maker have to break you off something that's when it should have been discussed so I mean that's something to, that's something to think about though. When you're doing work for somebody like that, you know, should you add a clause? Should you add something? Say, hey, if you ever, uh, you know, uh, get get some kind of movie deal or commercial deal or something like that, and my work that I did for you is going to be displayed, I expect to get compensated. 
So I thought that was a pretty uh, a pretty interesting article. And I again, I hope they, you know, I hope the lawsuit, I hope they get paid what they're owed and and any other artists. Like, well, I know there's one tattoo artist, or not tattoo artist, one one player, uh, basketball player with tattoos all up to his neck, and I think he wears a mohawk. I wanna, I wonder what if that guy. I mean, that guy's like whole body is tattooed, right? What's his name? I can't remember. I don't know his name, but. Yeah, so kudos for these tattoos artists out here doing all this awesome work. And think about think about a tattoo artist's work. That that's really no mistakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You 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 can't you can't you can't make a mistake. You know your your livelihood is based on. I mean your canvas is somebody's skin. That's crazy. I had a guy who, uh, because he knew I was a good, um, and this is his words graphic artist because I took one of his tattoos that he didn't finish and I finished it up in Photoshop for him. He was saying I should try to take up tattooing. And I was like, are you out of your mind? I was like, there's no way, no way. He owns his own tattoo company. And I told him, you know, if anything, I, I do what I just did for you. I'll fin you know, I will finish some designs or create some mock-up. But as far as tattooing somebody, no. No, I'm not that I'm not that steady with my hands. No, I can never do that. All right. Um last two articles. Actually, no, I'm just gonna skip to this last article. And this has to do with the sound of your voice. Why we hate the sound of our voices. When I first started, when I started my first podcast, Focus Create Mass Evolve, I had to get over <laughs> hearing my voice. I mean, because how often do we hear our own voice? I had to get over here my own voice. But I found this article, and it, it's the scientific reason. Well, pretty much, when we're talking, like I'm talking now, I hear myself from two different ways. I hear myself through air conduction and through bone conduction. Air conduction is how you hear me. You hear me through my mouth. Uh, like sound comes out of my mouth, my ears, and my nose. That's how everybody hears you. Everybody that's not you hears you through air conduction. But in addition to air conduction, you hear yourself. You you also hear what they hear, but you hear something extra that they're not hearing from you, which is bone conduction, meaning the low frequency vibration from your skull. So as you talk, and your, your 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 bones in your head, your skull is vibrating, and you're also your ears are also picking up that low frequency conduction, in addition to what everybody else hears. So that's why when you play a recording from your of yourself, you sound different to yourself than what you do when you're talking, because as you're talking, that vibration is happening. But when you hear yourself. You're just hearing what everybody else is hearing without you hearing your own head noise, your own head vibration. I thought that was interesting. And, and you know, here I am in my, my 40, 41, and I've, I really never look, like, looked into why we sound different and why we, we cringe when we hear our voice. I, I mean, I, I even listen to... Um, podcasts with people who who've been doing podcasts for 10 years and they still they still 
you know, you think as you do it, you get used to it. For some reason, I got used to it. I, I guess I, I really don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> so I've, I've gotten used to it. But it's I, I can't listen. Like, I don't I don't play my um, podcast back to me. I listen to enough just to make sure the recording was done and then the levels are right. So I, I guess I still do. I, I can't listen to a whole podcast of me talking. I can't even listen to my voicemail. Like, if I call home, call my um, house phone to, like, leave a voicemail to the kids or something, um, you know, and then they get it, but the voice the is still on there, and I'm going through all the old messages to delete them. As soon as I hear my voice, I delete that shit so quick because it's, I, I don't know. So I guess I guess I'm not used to it, but it doesn't prevent me from doing this podcast of from from like, you know, trying to speak. Um, so, you know, what I because I I know now, I have more important things to work on, like ums and stuff like that. That's the stuff that I, I want to work on now and being more fluent with my speech and not get tongue tied. So that's the stuff that I want to work on now. I'm not. I'm past the whole listen to my voice thing. So I thought that was an interesting um, little tidbit, just in case you didn't know. That's why, you know, you sound different and you sound you normally sound deeper to yourself than, than when you hear your own voice back. So, hey, man, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, I went over 30 minutes, but hey, I'm pretty sure it won't be the last time. Thanks for listening to this edition of straight talking cut and like like I always say I don't know a lot but what I do know I try to talk straight about it again thanks for listening talk to you guys next time